Last week, my dad, Bobby Richardson, spoke, former New York Yankee second baseman. A good crowd, good, good service, wasn't it? He would often include two verses, or one or two verses, with his autograph. The two verses were John 1.12 and Romans 1.16. Uh, John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Isn't that a great verse? And then the Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Both of them are talking about salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what he wanted was people to think about their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Both verses are encouraging, but they both imply that we need to make a choice and that there are consequences for our choices. Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 12 very briefly. And then we're going to look at Romans chapter 1. John chapter 1, beginning to read at verse number 1. Talks about Jesus being revealed. Jesus was revealed. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or did not overcome it. That's talking about Jesus revealing himself to the world. He was in eternity past, and he created the world, and then he came down to earth. In fact, verse number 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, John the Baptist also revealed him. There was a man, verse number 6, sent from God, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So Jesus was revealed by himself. He was revealed by John the Baptist. But notice this. Jesus was also rejected by many. Isn't that the case today? Don't many reject the Lord Jesus Christ? As we look at verses 10 and 11, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. I mean, he created the entire world. He came down and, and, and was a man for about 33 years or so on the face of the earth. And, and, and basically, he was rejected by the people that he had created. He was rejected by the Jews. We see, saw that in the Sunday School Life Group this morning. He was rejected by the, Sunday, by the um, Jewish leaders as well. In fact, Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 16 is part of the Sunday School lesson this morning. And in that portion of Scripture, this is what it says. Luke chapter 20, beginning to read at verse number 9. Then Jesus began to tell this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers, went into a far country for a long time. Now at Vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers 
that they may give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. The servant would probably be compared to one of the prophets. Again, he sent another servant. They beat him also, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. The prophets were not very well treated by the children of Israel. Verse 13, then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. And therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. I think that's a pretty good picture, is it not? Of the response of the Jewish nation to the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, God sent his prophets. They were rejected. They were abused. They were mistreated. Many of them were killed. And then he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And they did not receive him. Instead, they rejected him. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins. He was rejected by many, but he was received by some. Look at John 1.12. It says, But as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. He, this, this is what the gospel is all about. The fact that Jesus came, he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and some received him. They said yes to him. They trusted him as Savior. And as a result, they became the children of God. They were born again, spiritually speaking, and spiritually speaking, they were children of God. As we look at this portion of Scripture, I think we need to recognize that most people in the world today are not going to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Jesus put it like this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few that find it. The reality is that Jesus Christ has been revealed to us, and the question is, what have we done with him? Many rejected Jesus, and still today, many reject Jesus. There were some that said yes. They received him. They believed in him. And through that belief, through that faith, they had everlasting life. So again, the question is, what have we done with Jesus Christ? Well, John 1.12 was the first verse that Dad often assigned. The second one was Romans 1.16. So if you will, turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 16 through 18. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So far so good, but then it says this. Verse number 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. As we look at this portion of Scripture, first of all, we see the power of the gospel, the good news. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about the fact that the good news is that Jesus died, was buried, 
and he rose again, and he appeared to many. You can encapsulate it in just two phrases. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose again so that we can live for him. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it is the power of God to salvation. We're not saved by good works. We're not saved by going to church. We're not saved by being theologically astute. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. The power of the gospel. But then in verse number 17, you have the priority of faith. We know that faith is important. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to be saved as well. Look at verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It begins with faith. It continues with faith. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. And by faith in Jesus Christ, we're able to live a righteous life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about the great exchange. He offers us his righteousness and takes upon himself the sin of the world. So as we look at verse number 17, faith is very important. Now, verse 17 quotes a, a, a verse from the Old Testament, Habakkuk 2.4. And this is what it says. Normally, we just uh, look at the last half of the verse. It says, the just shall live by his faith. But the whole verse says this, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The problem here is that you can't have faith and pride at the same time. Pride is basically saying, I don't need God. Pride is basically saying, I'm okay on my own. You feel like a lot of people do that? You feel like we sometimes do that? Most of us here at Catawba know that we can't be saved apart from faith in Jesus Christ. But how many of us try to live the Christian life in our own strength? We can't please God without faith. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You ever get to a point where you think, well, I'm doing pretty well. I'm not doing too badly when it comes to living the Christian life. And then all of a sudden, what happens? We fall. We do something dumb. We, we, we sin in a way which we would not have expected that we sin. We need to recognize that righteousness starts with faith when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior and it continues with faith as we continue to trust Him to work His will in and through us. Sometimes we are proud. We think, I'm right. But I guarantee you that if you and God disagree, you're wrong. Is that the way that people in America look, look at it today? So many people, even in churches, they basically make themselves the authority they look at the Bible and say, well, I don't believe that's true. I believe this is true. The reality is this is true. God's Word is true, and we need to listen to it. We need to be willing to go God's way. The priority of faith, the power of the gospel, we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. The priority of faith, not only are we saved, but we live for Him day by day through faith in Him. But verse number 18 is interesting. It's the presence of God's wrath. Look at verse number 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, when we think about the Bible, a lot of people, a lot of people like to think about the love of God. 
And God's love is great. In fact, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And God's love, but unfortunately, sometimes we don't recognize the fact that God is sometimes angry, the wrath of God. In fact, if you want to have an interesting exercise, look up the wrath of God in your, uh, in, in your concordance. Or if you have a Bible program, just, just write the word wrath in there and search for the word wrath. Most of the time, it's not talking about men. It's talking about God and his wrath against, ungodly, against ungodliness. Let me, let me read verse number 18 again. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. God does not like it when we live ungodly life. Now, he loves us very much. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that all of us should change our mind, that we should recognize that we need Jesus Christ and trust him as our Savior and Lord. But it is our choice, and there are consequences. We're going to look at several portions of Scripture, and I put the verses on a slide so that you can write it down and look them up later if you want to. But the first one is Romans chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Romans chapter 2, verses 4 through 6 says this, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance? We're talking about God's love here, the fact that he's patient with us, he's forbearing, he he bears with us a long time because he wants us to come to know him as Savior. He wants us to repent. Verse number five, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. In other words, God is patient, long-suffering, but if we don't turn in faith, if we don't repent, then we can experience God's wrath. We can experience God's judgment. That's a challenge, but it's the reality of Scripture. I think sometimes we pick and choose the verses we like. And there are many people in America today that like God as love. That's true. But there are many that don't recognize that God is a God of wrath when we are ungodly and are unrighteous. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. If we habitually practice these things that are mentioned in verses 6 and 7, we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. We're not going to heaven. Because if we have genuine faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to make a difference in our lives. Not that we're not going to ever sin again, because we will. But when we do sin, we need to confess our sins to God and He'll forgive us. And if we're habitually sinning, 
We need to ask ourselves the question, do I really know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Again, it doesn't mean that we don't have weaknesses, that we don't fail, that we don't sin. We do, but through the power of the resurrection, we can walk in newness of life. We can live a different kind of life through faith in Jesus Christ. It is our choice, not just as individuals, but a nation as well. And I'm afraid that our nation is choosing against God. Proverbs 14.34 says this, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we are, as a country, doing things that bring reproach. Whether it has to do with abortion, or whether it has to do with sexual immorality, or whether it has to do with just a disregard for the authority of God in, in our society today. Now, I'm not saying that we're saved by good works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is clear. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. The gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, but we're not saved by good works. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But if we have been saved, it should make a difference in our lives. Again, we're not saved by good works. Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is what? Death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, when it's a gift, you have to work for it. In fact, if it is a gift, you can't work for it. Because if you work for it, it makes it not a gift. But the reality is that salvation is by, by faith is a gift of God that we receive. Just like it says in John 1.12, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But we have to make a choice <clears throat> to receive or to reject the gift of life through Jesus Christ. Let's look at another familiar portion of Scripture that has the same concept. John 3.16. How many of you can quote that one? Okay. Several of you are able to do that. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We deserve to perish because of our sin. But if we believe, if we have faith, we can have everlasting life as we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior who died on the cross for our sins. But notice it goes on to say this. It says, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is interesting because sometimes people say, well, God condemns us to hell. The reality is that our sin condemns us to hell. The wages of sin is death. But God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that if we believe, we can have everlasting life. If we have not believed, we're condemned already. Verse number 18. Now, why don't we believe? Why don't people trust Jesus Christ as Savior? Verse number 19, this is the condemnation that the light 
has come into the world, and men loved what? Darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. In other words, we're condemned because of our sin. God provided a way out. He sent Jesus to die to pay the penalty for our sins so we could go to heaven if we believe. But there's so many that love darkness rather than light. They want to keep on doing what they're doing rather than following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they reject the light. Just like we looked at John chapter 1, just like we looked at Romans chapter 1, instead of receiving Jesus, they reject Jesus and his authority. And the problem with that is there are consequences to choices. Look at verse number 36. This is not red letter, so this is John who is saying this. It says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. We have a choice. And the choice is to receive Jesus, to believe on him, to have faith in him. And if we do, we'll have everlasting life. Or to not believe the Son, not receive Jesus as our Savior. And if we don't, it says we will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on us. That, that is personal, is it not? Now, is it politically correct for me to preach this? I would say not. There would be a lot of people that would not like what I have to say. So many people believe in universalism, that everybody's going to heaven. I might not be politically correct, but I am biblically correct. And what we need to do is recognize that we do have a choice. We can either receive Jesus as our Savior or we can reject him. We have a choice in regard to our decision, what we do, but we don't have a choice in regard to the consequences. If we receive Jesus as Savior, we have everlasting life. If we reject him, then the wrath of God abides in us. In other words, we're going to spend eternity separated from God in hell. And that's not a pretty picture. But we need to recognize that picture. In fact, before we respond to the good news, we need to understand the bad news. That we're sinners, we deserve to go to hell. But Jesus died on the cross so that we can go to heaven if we believe, if we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. And again, the question that each one of us need to answer is this. What have we done with Jesus Christ? I think Dad picked some good verses to include with his autograph. John 1.12, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God into salvation to all who believe. And of course, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But all three of these verses, they imply that there's a choice. We can choose to believe or not believe. We can choose to receive Jesus or not receive Jesus. Our choice comes with consequences. If we say yes to Jesus, we have everlasting life. If we have the Son, we have life. If we don't have the Son, then the wrath of God abides on us. You know, I think that, that each one of us need to think about that. 
make sure that we have said yes to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation right now. This is a prayer that the words aren't magic, but when we really believe what we're saying, it really does make a difference and we have everlasting life. And then I'm going to pray a prayer of dedication. Because there are some of us who perhaps have said yes to Jesus Christ, but we're not living for him. And I invite you, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior or you're not sure you're going to heaven, to pray this first prayer with me. And then the second prayer, I invite all of us who are Christians to pray this prayer. Let's start off with the prayer of salvation. If you want to trust Jesus as your Savior, whether you're here or if you're online, pray something like this after me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I know Jesus died on the cross for me to pay the penalty for my sin. And right now I turn from my sin and I depend on Jesus to save me because he died for me. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into my life and help me to be the person you want me to be. If you prayed that prayer, I would love to talk with you, whether you come up to the front after the, after the, the, or during the invitation or whether you talk to me later. I'd love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're online, please get in touch. But the second prayer is a prayer of dedication. And if you're a Christian, you really want to live for God, pray something like this. Dear God, thank you for saving me. I recognize I fall short so often. And it's because I'm not trusting you. It's because I'm not depending on you. It's because I'm doing my own thing rather than doing your thing. I confess my sin. And I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you that you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And Lord, by your grace, I want to live for you. 100%. Please change me and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. Lord, we are thankful for your goodness to us. You have loved us so much. You, you blessed us so much by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. You provide for us. We thank you for your patience, for your mercy, for your grace. Lord, I pray that you will help us to not reject you, but instead receive you, accept your authority in our lives, trust you as Savior, and depend on you as Lord. I pray, Lord, that we might indeed repent and believe. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in and through many of us today. Again, for your honor and glory, in Jesus' name, amen.